Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on a message series called Preparing a Dwelling Place. So if you're ready here at the Rhodes Church, let's get our Bibles out. We get excited when we open our Bibles here because we love the Word of God more than our necessary food, especially during prayer and fasting time. We love the Word of God. So come on, let's get excited as we open up our Bibles, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City. Let's open them up to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29, preparing a dwelling place, preparing a dwelling place. Uh, sermon notes are available there on the Version Bible app this week. Note takers are what? Note takers are world changers. Thank you. want to acknowledge that we do have almost 50 women gone this week. Amazing that we're even able to hold services. They are, they are in uh, Dawsonville, Georgia for a women's conference. And man, I have heard nothing but fire from what's going on in a good sense. You know, so it's uh, not arson, but in a great sense. Things are going on. Ladies getting impacted, encountering the presence of God. That's ladies from all three locations. It was awesome to get our whole family together. So we had North City, Mount Carmel, and Carlinville all represented down in Dawsonville, Georgia. So praise the Lord for that. I told them to bring back the heat. We are ready for some more. And uh, so I also want to thank God. We're finishing up our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Ended yesterday. Again, officially, today is a new day. Uh, the, I don't know what you're going to say it ended yesterday. It was our 21 days. But we are not going to stop seeking the face of Jesus just because we ended our prayer and fasting time. We're going to continue to do that every day. We're still praying every day here at the church, 730 to 9. You can come and join us Monday nights for prayer, Eagle Prayer, the first Monday of the, of the month. And we're also going to do this. We're going to have some... Uh, I feel like God is really encouraging me to continue to make disciples in 2022. One thing that I saw over the last two years is the vulnerability of the church over what's happened in America and around the world. That people were not prepared as disciples of Jesus. They were prepared to attend church services. And so God's wanting us to not just build number of people in the church, but build the people in the church to be disciples of Jesus. And so we're going to do that. We're going to do it by teaching people to pray, teaching them to give, teaching them to fast. And uh, as according to Matthew chapter 6, and so we're going to have some one-day fasts. We're going to throw that out and say, hey, one day this week, 24 hours, everybody, we're going to fast and pray together. And uh, then we'll have some three-day fasts throughout the year just to kind of condition you and get you built up so that the 21 days of prayer and fasting doesn't seem so ominous. And that's one thing I've learned about making disciples. You've got to gradually work into prayer and fasting and uh, let God strengthen you. So we're going to be doing that. Let's pray before we jump into the Word. Father, I just thank you. For who you are. You're the one we're here for, Jesus. It's not for me or anyone else. We acknowledge you as the Lord and King of the room, and we yield our hearts. We submit our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, bring this word alive that it will glorify Jesus and draw us closer to you. Draw all of us closer to you. I give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Preparing a dwelling place. Let's talk about this. Preparing a dwelling place. In Exodus chapter 29, I've been talking about three requirements to preparing a dwelling place. And again, just quickly, I'll say this. We're talking about preparing a dwelling place for the presence of God, not what's required for salvation. So don't get that mistaken that what I'm talking about is it's required for us to do something for us to get born again. Salvation is a gift of God by his grace that we just receive by faith. 
So there's nothing, or through faith, I should say. So there's nothing we do. We don't bring anything to the table for salvation other than we believe. What I'm talking about requirements of experience of dwelling place is saying we as a church, we want to go further to experience more of the manifest. And when I say manifest, I mean the tangible presence of God. God is everywhere all the time. But manifest presence is the Shekinah, the glory of God. And that means when it shows up in a experiential way. It's like more than. And so that's what we're pursuing. And I believe the Bible teaches us that there are requirements in order to get that. It doesn't just come to whosoever. It comes to those who do it. Uh, do certain things. And here's a scripture I'll give you. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for who shall be filled? They shall be filled. Who are the ones that's going to be filled? They that hunger and thirst. Well, I think that God just will fill whoever he wants. That's wrong. That's not biblical. God will fill whosoever is hungry and thirsty for him. It's open. It's open. God's not picking, I like you, I like you, I don't like you so much so you don't get filled. That's not the Bible. So we want to introduce ourselves to this concept that God is not controlling what I get to the extent that he's just asking me, Chad, if you're hungry, I will fill you according to the extent of your hunger you will eat. So praise the Lord for that. Everybody ready? Three things. He requires Exodus chapter 29. I'm going to read verse 38. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar two lambs of the first year day by day continually. The first thing that's required to prepare a dwelling place, we talked about this, I'm only going to mention it briefly, is number one, what you shall offer. First requirement is an offering. If we want to create a dwelling place for God in our lives individually as well as corporately, we need to bring him something, offer him something, give him something, okay? So we come to him with our praise, with our worship. Worship is not just singing slow songs. I want to do a whole series on worship sometimes because I think God is wanting to continue to grow us in maturation into what worship really looks like. We're going to contrast religion and churchianity with biblical Christianity on and on and on because God's exposing to me, showing me, as I focus more on his face, I'm seeing more of things that I've learned through religion that he wants to weed out. He's just saying, I, I, I need that to go. If you want to go further, that can't come with you. That's what he's saying. So we're going to compare and contrast some of that stuff. And some of it is understanding that worship is not just singing songs. It's an attitude in my heart. How do I know I'm dealing with religion and struggling with religion? When the words stop and the music stop and my worship stops, I'm in religion. Or let me say it this way. I've been conditioned by religion that my worship is attached to a song that my worship are attached to words that you give me. Like you've got to tell me what to say in order for me to worship. That's not worship. Worship should come from right here. My personal worship to God. You understand what I'm saying? So this is what we're going to address. First thing, offering. Number two, second thing, preparing a dwelling place requires a sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. We love this one. This idea of sacrifice, because why it says offered on the altar. What is the altar? An altar is a place of death or sacrifice. This idea is so foreign to many in the church that it's uncomfortable to hear. Don't talk to me about dying. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. People will say stuff like this. I don't want to lose my life. I just want God to bless my life. Right? Maybe you haven't heard that. But that's what I've heard. 
This concept of sacrifice will challenge our ideology. And I realize we are addressing churchianity in the Bible belt of churchianity. I mean, we are smack dab in the middle of churchianity right here in the Midwest. So here's, here's one. I'll just close with this point on this one. Following Jesus. Are you ready for this? Following Jesus will lead where he leads me, I will follow. We like that song, no turning back, no turning back. Following Jesus will lead to times of sacrifice and suffering. Woo-hoo-hoo! Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you, trying to prepare us for our walk with Jesus. Following Jesus will lead to times of sacrifice and suffering. We've got to be prepared for that. That's what making disciples is about. We've been sold a bill of goods. Come in here. We'll hype you up on all the benefits of serving Jesus. This is your hype machine. We'll tell you how good it is, how blessed it is, and you won't have any struggles in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not the truth. The truth is you'll have to have some sacrifice. You will have to endure some suffering. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's the Bible. All right, so the third one. Let's get to the third one. You ready? I've been wanting to talk about this one for a couple weeks. Preparing a dwelling place requires consistency. Everybody say consistency. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs of the first year. How often? Day by day, continually. So we got to offer our lives sacrificially, day by day, continually. How often? Day by day. Not just on Sunday. On Monday, we still offer our lives to Jesus. On Tuesday, we still offer our lives to Jesus. On Wednesday, on Friday, we still offer ourselves to Jesus. On Saturday, do you get the point? We don't just offer our lives to him when we come into a certain geographical area or a certain room. It is a heart issue. It's not a certain calendar day. When Sunday rolls around, I go to church. That's what I do. No, no, no. On Friday night, I still commit my heart to him to only do what honors him. On Saturday night, I still commit my heart to only do what honors him. That's what he's talking about, day by day, continually. Here's what the word continually means in case we're any question about it. It means Constantly, regularly, perpetually. Constantly, regularly, perpetually, never stopping. We keep coming and we don't back down. Being a long-term, here's what I've learned and here's what I've observed. Being a long-term successful follower of Jesus requires consistency. It requires, requires, excuse me, consistency. Every day we offer ourselves on the offer, altar. Every day we take up our cross, deny ourselves and follow him. Every single day. One of the biggest things we struggle with in our walk with Jesus, I believe, is consistency. Why? Because consistency isn't sexy. Consistency isn't exciting. Consistency isn't the next goosebump. Consistency isn't the next service. Woo! Consistency isn't the fire on my life. Consistency is I'm getting up and doing it again today. And I'm going to be here tomorrow and the next day. Here's what Joshua says in in chapter 24. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves. Which day? day. Choose for yourselves which day? This day. day. What is this day? Today. 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 But notice who's got to do the choosing. Choose for. I can't choose for you. You can't choose for me. 
My parents can't choose for me. My kids can't choose for me. My spouse can't choose for me. This day, today, Sunday, January 23rd, 2022, I can't choose. I mean, I have to choose today. Am I going to serve him? Day by day, continually, every day. So consistency, it can seem boring, monotonous. Here's what Webster says about consistency. You ready for this exciting definition? It says, marked by regularity. Steady continuity, free from variation or contradiction. Anybody want some regularity and steady continuity in their life? Here's what I've observed uh, ministering and being in church a long time. And even in my own life, I'll say even in my own life, one of the biggest struggles is the day-to-day consistency of giving your life to Jesus and staying in love with him. Because I've seen people that get on fire they're excited, they're up front, they're sitting up front, they got their Bibles, got their notes taken. Men, they're engaged, they're serving. Then it seems like all of the sudden, they're gone. I'm like, where are they? Where'd they go? I realized when COVID happened, it, a lot of that went on. But I've still seen the people on fire. Man, I'm on fire for God. It's going to be awesome. And pretty soon they're not even in church anymore. What's happening? The consistency of every day doing it, the devil wears us down if we're not passionate about him. This principle is essential for us to be successful in our walk with God. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Break something down. Everybody get your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Come on, turn there. Remember, we're bringing the Bible back. I'm leaving the screens for you. I am merciful. But bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. Get them pages out. You can underline stuff. You can highlight stuff. You can circle it. You can stare at it. You can massage it. You can rub it on your chest and hope that it comes into your heart. I'm just kidding. First Corinthians chapter 15. You ready? First Corinthians 15. Verse 57. Here's what the Bible says. Here we go. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, verse 58 was what I was going to preach. On point three, on consistency, this is where I went to. This was my verse that I felt like the Lord was leading me to talk about consistency. And I was going to talk about being steadfast. We're going to talk about being immovable, talking about always abounding, not just when we feel like it. I was going to talk about the work in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is not in vain. I was going to talk about all of that. And I'm going to, but just not today. Because as I was reading that, one word jumped out at me. And it's the very first word in that verse that it says, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. When I read this word, therefore, and I looked it up in the Greek, it's a word that means as a result, because of, so then, on the condition that. So what it means in grammatical terms in the Bible, when you see the word therefore most of the time in the New Testament, what it's saying is because of something or as a result of something previous, now you can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. So he said, the only way I can be consistent, the only way I can be steadfast, immovable, and always abound is if I get what's said in verse 57 first. 
because of 57. Therefore, because of that, as a result of that, now go be this. In other words, because of 57, be 58. Not bingo. Be 58. I'm sorry, bad joke. If I got to explain the joke, don't humor me with your little passive laughter later. I'm just kidding. So if we want 58, if we want the promises of 58, or be able to operate in 58, he's saying, let's look at 57. All right, let's go. What's 57 say? But thanks be to God. Let's stop there. But thanks be to God. If we're going to be consistent in our life, the first thing we got to learn to do is give thanks to God. The word thanks is the Greek word charis, which is usually translated grace, but here's what it means. An expression, everybody say expression. In other words, expression of thankfulness. In other words, not internally thankful. I'm thankful. An expression of thankfulness. How would you like to, for your kids, you get them their Christmas presents, and they open them up, and they look at you and go, and put it down. What do we do? We do something for someone, we say, what do you say? They look at you and just go, that's not enough. We want an expression of thankfulness. That's what God wants. He wants an expression. Can he read my mind? Does he know my heart? Yes, yes. But he wants an expression. Why? Because I like, I like this kind of response. Open my present. <gasps> I like that response a whole lot more than when they pull out clothes. I believe God likes the same expression from us that we appreciate what he's done. So thanks be to who? Thanks be to so we need to live a thankful life. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to write down three things that are going on in your life right now that you're thankful for. Three things. You don't have to accomplish that assignment right now, but I want you to write down. When I get time, write down three things that I'm thankful for. Why? Because a thankful heart, a grateful heart will be a happy heart. Why are people so depressed and discouraged right now? They've forgotten what to be thankful about. Be thankful. Are you giving God your thanks? Psalm, 10, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Be thankful. Don't wait till you see how you feel before you enter the gates with thanksgiving. Notice what it says, enter into gates with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. It doesn't say enter into the gates to get thanksgiving. It doesn't say enter into his courts to get praise. Well, I'm just going to come to church and hopefully that Thanksgiving will come on me when I get in the presence of God. I'm just going to go to church and then I'll be able to praise. No, no, no. You bring it with you. Mm. Enter his gates. When I woke up this morning, this verse come, out, come right up out of my heart. God said, enter with Thanksgiving right now. I'm like, what? What time is it? Thank you? I, mean, I did. That's how, that's how spiritual it was. Thank you. But he said, enter with it. That's how you come into my gates. You come in saying, thank you. Yes. Okay, let's go on. So thanks be to God who gives us the what? Gives us the? Maybe you weren't ready. But thanks be to God who gives us the? Victory. Victory. So what does it mean? He gives us the victory. What does that mean? The word victory here is the Greek word nikos. It's where Nike got their name, Nike. So the word Nike 
comes from this word. It's a singular noun. reason I'm bringing that out is not trying to sound smart, but it's important. He says he gives us the victory. It is a noun. What is a noun, English students? It is a person, place, person, place, or thing. So he's given me a person, place, or thing. So let's see what that is as we go on through the message. What is victory? In the Greek, here's what this word means, nikos. To have conquered, past tense. It's a noun. It's not a process. It's an, an arrival point. To have conquered a triumph, a successful ending of a struggle or military conquest. Oh, boy. So thanks be to God who gives me the victory through, Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Gives me the victory. What is the victory? The victory is a successful ending of a conflict or a military conquest. Here's something that we sometimes lose sight of, that the idea of a victory in God's eyes will involve struggle and military conquest. We don't like that. We're, our definition of victory is the absence of struggle and military conquest, right? How do I know that I'm victorious? Because I have no troubles whatsoever. I'm not struggling in any area of my life. I am living victorious, right? We think that when I'm not fighting for something, I'm not engaged in battle, I'm not coming against resistance and opposition. I think when I'm not dealing with that, then whew, I'm victorious. God said, no, no, no. He said, listen, here's what I'm doing. I'm giving you the victory, which is the successful ending. See, the Bible tells us that we will have struggle. I give you those verses here in the Bible. Weapons of our warfare, wage a good warfare, endure hardship as a good soldier, fight the good fight of faith, put on the whole armor of God. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to prepare us that as followers of Jesus, we will engage struggle and warfare. It is a normal part of our walk with him. The body of Christ was not ready for warfare as much as it should have been two years ago. It got exposed. Let me just tell you, it's still coming and it's going to get worse. Thank you, Chad, for that encouraging word. I'm just speaking honestly. What's coming on the earth, the body of Christ, it's time to strap up, load up spiritually. Be careful. Southern Illinois, you got to be careful what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm fine if you want to carry. I'm just saying. <laughs> Move on. Anyway. Notice the definition. Notice the definition. A successful ending. God's victory is not just about an ending, but a successful ending. Just an ending of struggle or military conquest alone doesn't necessarily mean we were successful. Come on, I want to teach this part. This is so important. Man, when the Lord showed me this, I was like, oh, Jesus. That's a tough one, but I'll take it. I'll take it. He said, sometimes, here's the issue, sometimes the absence of a struggle or conquest in your life just means that we aren't fighting anymore or we're not taking new territory. He said the successful ending of a struggle or military conquest, sometimes just the ending of a struggle means I gave up and I quit. Sometimes the end of a struggle means I just decided I don't want to fight anymore, so I'm going to relinquish that and just give up, and now there's no struggle in that area of my life. I'm just going to give in to that addiction, give in to pornography, get into those feelings, give in to that habit, and I don't want to struggle anymore. It's not a successful ending, but it is an ending. 
Do you follow me? We must never mistake peace or lack of struggle alone for victory in God's eyes. Oh, boy. Practical, practical application. I can have a tremendous peace about sitting on the couch and watching TV versus getting up and walking or running on the treadmill. There's a tremendous peace about just sitting there because that is a struggle. But did I win anything just because I have peace? I'm just trying to give some practical application. There is a piece about not studying for a test and sitting and vegging and watching Netflix all day. That's peaceful. But is it a God kind of peace? I'm not against watching Netflix. I'm just saying, use the analogy there or the comparison that sometimes we can have a false peace about something and it's just because we're pacifying our flesh. Sometimes people come to me and say, well, Chad, I, I just have a great peace about this. I, I'm like, in my mind, I don't always say it out loud. In my mind, I know you have a peace about it because you're doing what you want. Because that's what God tells me. It's like, Lord, I just really feel good about this. Hey, you said, I know because you didn't ask me. You're just doing what you want. Sometimes we can have a peace because we've talked ourselves into it. And we want it so bad, so we just do it, and then we give it the spiritual sales pitch by telling everyone, I just have a tremendous peace about it. Be careful that my peace, that's a lack of struggle or military conquest, was not really a successful one in God's eyes. Let me move on. So how does our victory come? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, through what? Through our... All right, so we get victory through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does the word through mean? The word through, the word through is by. It's a, it's a channel of an act. It's like, think of conduit. You guys know what conduit is? It's an empty container for wire. Uh, you could think of a pipe for water to go through. Just think of something that something's just going through it. The only value to it is that it's housing something else. What it is itself is not the valuable part, but what's going through it is the valuable part. But notice what this is. I'm going to contradict that in just a moment. So the word through is a channel of an act, means by which or the way it comes. So the way our victory comes is through Jesus, through him. Now, when I say the outward part is not valuable, the inward part, that's in conduit. But in Jesus, I'm going to show you that it's different. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the way. I'm the way to get your victory. He's the one. He's the one that we should go through. Through him is the process that our victory will flow through. It comes through him. He's the way. There's no other way. Well, I, I want to try this way. I want to try that way. No, Jesus is the way for our victory. Jesus is the way for the successful ending of our struggle or our military conquest. If we want a successful ending, we have to go through Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, through him, here's what I, I want to bring this point out. Through him doesn't mean that our victory is something separate from him. Through him doesn't mean that our victory is something separate. Here's incorrect thinking. Incorrect thinking is that my victory 
is simply a desired outcome, and I have to go through Jesus to get it. I'm going to address religion for a moment. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus. Incorrect thinking is that my victory is a desired outcome, and I have to go through Jesus to get what I want. When we think that way, we think through religion, that I want something to go a certain way, and Jesus is who I have to go through, so now I begin to pray, I begin to read my Bible, I can begin to come to church, I begin to seek his face, because what I want comes through him. I'm going to challenge some thought here. What we mistakenly thought is that our desired end result was the victory. Jesus is not the means to an end. Jesus is the end himself. Jesus is our victory, not what he gives us. How do we know we're struggling in this area? When I don't pray to him unless I need something. I'm not talking to any of you. I'm just dealing with religion. What religion will do is that we will come to church, and as long as nothing major is going on in my life, I will never pick up my Bible, and I will never pray. But the moment crisis or chaos happens, oh, Pastor Jack, I'm in a major situation here. I need your help right now. Like, no, 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 you didn't need my help right now. You needed it five years ago. We, what we do is we put Jesus, he becomes a vending machine, he becomes Santa Claus, he becomes our means to an end, so we pray when we want something, when he's not what we want, we just want him to give, him to give us what we want. Mm, tough, 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 but it's true. So here's what God's saying. Through him, thanks be to God who gives us the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ, I want us to stop thinking about our victory is a desired outcome and our victory is Jesus himself, even if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. I'm going to come for prayer. I'm going to come and pray to God. I'm going to seek God because I want this to happen and I believe he's the one that I go through to get it. I understand there's certain application for that. But ultimately, Jesus, I want you and I believe you are able to do these things, but I want you all by yourself. You're my pursuit. Through him means that through connection or relationship with him is the means by which we are victorious in every area of our life. Connection and relationship. So when the Bible says here, through Jesus, we get our victory. Here's what he's saying. What comes through that connection or relationship is not the priority, but rather the connection or the relationship itself is the priority. Let me say that again. What comes through our connection or relationship with Jesus is not the priority. We don't value what comes from that connection or relationship. We value the connection or relationship itself. When we do that, then we're willing to receive whatever comes our way as long as I'm connected to him. But if it's only what comes from him that is the priority or the value of what will happen is when something comes and I don't like what comes, I will bail on that connection and relationship because what I got is not what I wanted. 
Am I talking to anybody? I realize this is a message you've got to process and you've got to work through some things. I have to work through some things. God is exposing things in my heart, so I'm just passing along what he's talking to me about. I'm not talking at you. I'm sharing what he's giving to me. He's telling me, Chad, I don't want you just to come to me for a certain thing. I want you to come to me because you love me. I don't want you to come and pray to me because you've got a list for me. I want you to seek me because I am your list. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do. I am the vine, you're the branches. As long as we stay connected to the vine, then we will bear much fruit. But when I disconnect from my relationship with Jesus, I can do nothing. Now, do we really believe we can do nothing? In the natural, we don't really believe that sometimes because we continue to do things without him all the time, and we think we're okay because here's the, here's the uh, popular mindset in the world. And I, again, I'm not talking at people. I'm just sharing thoughts, okay, if they apply to you. There's a thought process that says, as long as I have a good job, and can pay for and buy whatever I need, I really don't need God. I really don't need God. I've had people say that Jesus stuff is a crutch for you people that can't make it on your own. I want to say, you're absolutely right. I cannot make it on my own. I cannot do it on my own. I can't make it in life on my own. But what the temptation is, as long as I have money and can buy what I need, I really don't need to seek the face of God. Let that be a beacon, 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 shining beacon, light, sharp, bright, whatever. Let it be a sign. <laughs> Let it be a sign to us all that that is religion and it must die. Jesus has to be the focal point in our life, not what he does for me. Not just in a time of crisis, but he's got to be the one because without him we can do what? We can do nothing. A successful ending to our struggle or our military conflict can only come through Jesus. If we're not careful, let me throw this in. If we're not careful, we can just want an end to our struggle no matter what way we get it. Oh, he's been dropping bombs on me this week. I'm like, ouch, Lord, do I have to write that one down? Yes. Because if we're not careful, we can just want an end to the struggle however we need to get it. But Jesus wants to give us a successful ending, and it will only come through him. Many times we want a victory, an end to the struggle or conflict in a situation so much so that we can want it more than we care about who gives it, how they give it, or what strings are attached to it. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can want an end to our struggle so badly that we are willing to look to any source that will provide us what we think we want. And don't consider who's giving it to me, who it's coming through, and what strings are attached to it. Be careful who you look to answer and solve your struggle. Jesus was struggling after fasting 40 days. 40. He goes up and the Satan tempts him. 
And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He shows him, Jesus, come on, have some bread. Eat, eat something, Jesus. You're wasting away. Just do what I tell you to do. Don't wait for the Father to tell you to do something. I know I heard you in a sermon one time say, I only do what the Father says and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, you're hungry. There's rocks. Make them bread. What was the point? Satan was saying, listen to me versus your Father. Takes him up on there and he says, listen, Jesus, look at all these kingdoms of the world. They've been given to me. I'll give them to you. And you don't have to go to the cross to get it. All you got to do is just a little, just bow right now. Just worship. It's only take you five minutes. Come right now. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all that. Be careful who offers you a solution to your struggle. Be careful who you go to for wisdom and counsel in the midst of a fight and a warfare. Some people will appease your flesh. And it will not be a successful ending. Because some people say, I just want this to get over with. I just want you to, I just want a spouse. Be careful. However I need to get it, I just want a spouse. I'm tired of waiting. I get it, I understand, I'm sympathetic. But I'm saying, be careful who it comes through. Oh, Jesus. Who it comes through has to be more important than what comes. Mom, I'm dropping some stuff here right now. What I want to receive has to be secondary to who it comes from. I will not walk in the counsel of ungodly people. If I want wisdom, I want to seek it from godly people. Well, Chad, you just need to use some wisdom. Absolutely, there are experts in all fields who love Jesus, and I want to follow them for their wisdom. But sometimes if we're not careful, we will want a way out so badly. The moment what is given, tell me to take this, I gotta, I gotta sit down. The moment what is given takes priority over who gives it. We open ourselves up to deception. I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid that I'll just take whatever you tell me. Be careful, be careful that fear is making decisions. Who is it coming through? Where's it coming from? Is that from a godly source? Is that coming from the word of God? But when what is given takes priority over who it's coming through, I can be deceived. Thank you, Jesus. I just got to have a job. I just got to have a job. I just got to have some money. I just want this desired outcome. Whatever it takes, I just got to, you understand, I got to have it. I understand you got to have it. But you, (laughs) there's this old saying that's really, really good. Here's what it says. It's better to want something you don't have than to have something you don't want. Single people, make sure that relationship comes through Jesus. If you want a successful ending, wait for the one he's got for you. Don't take the first thing walking by that looks good. Has anybody else ever ask God to give you something and maybe you manipulated, maybe you worked it out where you got it and then you got it and you realize, oh Jesus, I don't like it after all. Take it back. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? 
Through who? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. So here's why I'm going to leave you some questions. Let me ask you this. Number one, are you ready? Are we ready to offer all of our hearts in worship to Jesus? Hmm. Number two, are we willing to lay our lives down as a sacrifice and live only for him? Only for him. Am I a living, sorry, am I living a thankful life or am I living a complaining life? You got homework, those three things. Am I living a thankful life or am I living a complaining life? Am I more focused on what's going wrong in the world around me or am I more thankful about what God is doing in my life? Number four, have I been searching for the ending of my struggle in other places rather than Jesus? Am I getting counsel and advice from people other than Jesus or the Word of God? Have I been using Jesus as a means to an end instead of the end himself? Let's pray. Let's pray. Have I valued what will come through my connection or relationship with Jesus more than I valued the actual connection and relationship itself? That's a question for me. That's a question for you. Have we got in the habit of religion so much so that we just connected to God because we want him to do things for us and we want to go to heaven? Or is he your desire? Every day, day by day, we will not be consistent unless we get 57, unless we get this principle that we live a thankful life and that we understand that our victory, the successful ending of our struggle, our military conquest comes through our connection with Jesus. That's our victory. Our victory is through him. Through him, the noun, the person, place, or thing, Jesus. My victory is not the new car. My victory is not my marriage working out. My victory is not my finances working out. My victory is not the job. My victory is Jesus. And from Jesus, my marriage can work out. From Jesus, my money and my job can work out. From Jesus, my health can work out. Jesus is my victory. Right now, in this moment, will you just ask yourselves those questions in a moment of honesty before Jesus? Christians, non-Christians alike, it doesn't matter. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, E. Rhodes family, I want you praying. I want you to ask the Lord, have I looked at Jesus and what he gives me as more valuable than than him, him himself? Who he is. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come. I just thank you for your love and your grace that draws us to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's be honest before God. Respond to his presence. Respond to his word. Don't engage, don't disengage. Don't unplug. Stay right here. Lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit that's going to challenge you. That I have a, here's here's his words to you. I have a successful end to your struggle or military conquest. I have it. It's found in me, Jesus says. Don't look at other places. Don't look at other sources. Stay connected. Abide in me. Abide in me day by day continually. Because without me, you can do nothing. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, 
please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.